Welcome to the Free Your Energy Podcast. I'm your host, Sylvester McNutt III, and I'm with Ryan Nolan. I wanted to bring you on today because when I talked to you and when I observed you from the outside, I said to myself, this guy is a genius. Now, you're a humble guy, obviously, so you're not going to agree with that. No, I disagree. Hold you on. disagree. <laughs> but one thing I like to do is I like to you know, push people up, big people up, give people props. When I see someone creating something, I got to give love. That's just the type of person I am. Yeah. Um, so for you guys that don't know, Ryan owns a company that I utilize called Tidy Casa. Yeah. Tidy Casa is a cleaning service that basically you guys come once a month. You could come every week. Um, they could come bi-weekly or just a one-off. Can do a, when you move into a place or move out. And for someone like me, I thought that your service was crucial to my success. Being a full-time entrepreneur and then you know trying to get in the gym, trying to keep my mental health. Deep cleaning is not something I can do well, often. <laughs> I can do it well here and there, but yeah. often I just can't do it. And it's so it's a big time commitment. It's a big time commitment. Last thing you want as an entrepreneur is like to spend your Saturday cleaning the house. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's a waste of your time. Yeah. Because in your good. head, you're thinking, I could be doing this, I could be doing this, I could be optimizing my time. So, for my people who are just tuning in to the podcast and you're wondering what type of value you're going to get out of this podcast, I want you to know that for me as an entrepreneur, my whole life is geared around how do I make my life easier? How do I streamline what I'm doing? How do I get my life more, more uh, simpler, and more efficient? And I know that your business does that for me. But before we even get into your current business, I want to know about your life. What were you right. like as a kid? Where did you grow up? Oh, man. Uh, we're going all the way back to the beginning. Um, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Total flyover state. There's nothing there but corn and cows. Um, tornadoes. Terrible weather. <laughs> I went back to visit two years ago uh, when my grandma passed um, for, uh, you know, for services. Hadn't been back in like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I remember why. We went in January and it was negative 10 degrees, which is no, not cool. <laughs> Trying to buy a winter coat in January in Arizona to go back to negative 10 degrees was really hard. Wow. We went to like 14 different stores to try and find a coat. Right. And yeah. not in Arizona, they don't no. stock it. Right? No, they're not going to sell that. Yeah. yeah. It was like 50 here when we left. <laughs> right. Go to negative 10. So what was it like as a kid when you were there in the flyover state? Like, were you raised on a farm? Or? Um, no. Well, I mean, no. I was raised in the suburbs. But because it's a huge, you know, it's like a breadbasket of the United States mm -hmm. or whatever they say. Um, I actually lived about two blocks away from a cornfield and an active farm. And I was in the suburbs. Okay. You know, so I don't know where my character really came from that but uh it's it's a good place to grow up because people there are super friendly mm -hmm. um like it's very rare that you would be driving down the road and somebody would wave to you or say hi like everybody's super friendly and open and, and welcoming um and then you would have the couple times a year the doomsday alarms going off for tornado <laughs> landings right. and stuff right. but uh yeah i mean generally a decent place to grow up and i'm glad i moved okay so you saw tornadoes as a kid uh, i didn't actually see them mm -hmm. but uh basically you hear the like doomsday alarms go off mm -hmm. like the ones you hear in the movies that are like right. Right. and then you gotta get into a place where the tornado can't 
suck you up. It's very rare that it would happen, mm -hmm. um, but you end up just, you know, get your wind-up radio down in the basement and you just hunker down for an hour or two until they're like, it's safe to come out. Okay. Yeah. And tell me about your family. Uh, was it both parents, siblings? Yeah, both parents. Uh, they got a divorce recently, but they were together for like 30 years. Okay. Um, mom's a nurse. She worked in ER and intensive care growing up. Uh, when we moved down here, she stopped doing that, went into private practice. And uh, my dad's a computer programmer. Wow. So, yeah. So how, did, how do you think you had them growing up mm -hmm. and then they're, they're separate now, both alive still? Yes. Both alive yeah. still. How do you think that having them in the home helped you or hurt you or gave you an advantage or disadvantage? Like how was your experience having both parents? It's, some, it's something I'm very curious about yeah. uh, trying to learn myself. My parents sure. split when I was 14. Mm -hmm. So I had an experience where they were there together. Yeah. And I can contrast that with, okay, now I'm a teenager and now it's just one. Right. So I'm, I'm very curious just to know how people feel about, you know, I have both parents yeah. or a single parent. Yeah, I mean, it was it was nice growing up. Like, uh, you know, my mom worked part time as a nurse. You know, after I was after we moved down to Phoenix, it was part time instead of, you know, ER and intensive care, which was like nights and weekends. And like, she was terrified of me doing anything because, you know, she worked in the ER. So, you know, she would come in with stories about people blowing their hands off with fireworks and motorcycle crashes. Mm -hmm. So she was very like high anxiety about anything that could potentially be dangerous because she'd seen it all. Um, and, the, and uh, you know, I mean, it was always nice having both the parents around because, um, you know, if you wanted to talk to them about something, they were usually there. They were usually around. They were very supportive. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of one of the things that a lot of people don't realize about having a support network like that um, is that I always had an option to go back there mm -hmm. if I messed up. So I started my first entrepreneurial venture when I was like 19, my first real business, I was incorporated and making money. Um, and you know, it takes away a lot of the risk having supportive parents because if I fuck up or, um, you know, can't, uh, pay the bills, for whatever reason, you know, I can just go crash on mom's couch until <laughs> figure right. it out, right. you know? So it's kind of this like, uh, and I think a lot of people in that position don't really realize how important that is and how crucial that is um, to being able to take more risks in life. Um, so, you know, it, it was always nice to have that. I did get mostly ignored by my parents because I had three other brothers. Mm. So <laughs> I was... Uh, not, I'm not the oldest. My older brother's 13 months older than me. Um, then I came along, and then my other brothers are four years younger than four years younger than him. Okay. So four and eight. Yep. Um, and uh, since they came around, I pretty much got ignored. So I mostly just got left to my devices until I messed something up, and the cops had to call <laughs> my parents to come pick me up for whatever. Ryan, what the hell did you? Yeah. Okay. So how old were you? When you first realized, even, okay, now we're, you know, because hindsight is 2020. Yeah. So now we can label it as, hey, I was ignored. Mm -hmm. But how old were you when you actually realized that, like, while it was happening? Yeah, I mean, I was always happy to be left to my own devices. Mm -hmm. um, so I would just go out and get in trouble and do stupid stuff like all kids would do. Mm -hmm. um, and they focused a lot on, you know, my younger brothers. Um, so I probably didn't really realize that they kind of left me alone mm -hmm. until I was maybe... 
1920. Um, you know, you always kind of felt like the other kids were getting more attention, but you know, I didn't mind it. You didn't mind it. Yeah. Would you consider yourself on a scale of 10, one to 10, one being introvert, 10 being extrovert, just on a day to day, where would you say you, you, you rate yourself? I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Like if I go out to a party, I tend to be very extroverted with people. Mm -hmm. um, but I also have those introverted moments too. Right. You know, I can be perfectly happy alone, you know, right. traveling alone or going to a movie alone. Right. Um, and I enjoy a lot of uh, just alone time working. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a, I'm a painter. Um, I do oil paintings and it's just like my favorite thing in the world. Just mm -hmm. be in the garage for two or three hours just working on Paint. something and painting and listening to music or wow. whatever. For painting, yeah. is that something that um you do for like a monetary thing or is it one of your just mm -hmm. one of your ways you express yourself when i was younger i thought it would be cool to sell art and i tried getting into that mindset for you know maybe six months mm -hmm. um, but i realized that the stuff i was putting out and doing when i was intending to sell it mm -hmm. was way different than the stuff that i did that meant something to me mm -hmm. um so I step back from that pretty quick and yeah. now I, I strictly do it when I'm, you know, either super inspired mm -hmm. by something yeah. or just kind of want to express. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a great way to vent and get things out there. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of times as dudes, it's hard to get in touch with your emotions and yeah, share for them. Sure, for sure. Like a lot of guys struggle with that. So for me, painting was kind of my way to do that. When That's the way to get it all. Feeling something deep, I would, you know, go and put that out there and, and, uh, get it on a canvas and, you know, um, especially if I'm ever like in that moment where I'm feeling depressed, mm -hmm. just spending that time to do something creative by the time I'm done with whatever that creative yeah. thing was, I'm feeling a lot better. Feeling a lot better. Yeah. Well, you mentioned depressed less, I mean, you know, for your energy podcast, man, yes. open space, like how has your life been with, you know, depression and like yeah. your mental health and, um, some of your highs and lows, just talking about, like, you know, yeah, so I've, I've got a weird personality type I, I took a personality test a couple years ago through one of my uh my employers and um you know back before i was an entrepreneur full-time and it came back that i had very little um emotional uh room or i guess my therapist said i had a lot of emotional room mm -hmm. um but i had a, a very steady emotion so i I tend to naturally be very stoic. Stoic, yeah, that's what I was thinking. When yeah, yeah, and I, I like read a bunch of books on that, and uh, when I was reading the books, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, this is yeah. what I do, so like, right. I kind of have a name for it. Um, but the one emotion that I tend to lean into when I do get emotional about things is depression. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I kind of like, I'm right here, but then I tend to go this way sometimes. Right, right. Um, and that's the only one that I really have a lot of, uh, have a lot, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so, you know, had to kind of learn to, to cope with it. And I think a lot of guys, a lot of people go mm -hmm. through that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's pretty common. It's not a common thing to, like, talk about it and share right. it. And, you know, that was one of the things that really helped me with those moments is being able to do art or create something. Right. Um, same thing with, you know, working out and just getting out of the house. Yep. Yeah. Other big cure is just spending time with friends. Yeah. You know, that's like the biggest thing. <laughs> if Man. I'm ever super depressed, I'm like, I just need to go find a person, yep. hang out, have a drink, yep. you know. So I'll be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> I went through a little depression a few years ago. 
Um, and for, for you guys who are watching on the video, there's other people here, uh, one of them being Derek Nelson. When I was going through depression, I didn't really talk about it. I just, yeah. you know, I'm a strong guy, I'm positive. I'm, you know, it's like we have these, these shields, I'll call them. And it's just like, oh, well, I don't want to show you guys my weakness. I don't want to show you that I'm going through hell right now. Um, but Derek, like, sensed it. And he, what you just said about, like, going with friends, he was always reminding me. Yeah. He's like, dude, you got to get out the house. You know, you got to yep. get out the house. You got to talk to people. Come on, you got to get moving. Yeah. And I'm sure you could relate being a full-time entrepreneur. It's like you have this mindset of I have to keep working. I have to keep yeah. create. I, I haven't done enough. The, on the, you can get paid. There's been days where I got paid $8,000, $10,000, got paid. You see it in your checking account. But then that same day, you're working like you, you never got paid in your life. Right. And you're just like, oh, this is not enough. I got to keep like. And yeah, it's crazy. The more you get, the more you like. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. You, you, you almost get scared. You're just like. What, what if I can't make this again? Yeah. What if I can't do it? This is going to get taken away from me. I'm going to lose this. Like, imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. 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 So that, that's something that I've had to learn as an entrepreneur, as an adult, as a man to, okay, I can work. I can be in my business, but I, I have to get out of the house and I have to connect and I have to talk to people and I have to just network. And even if I have to do things that quote unquote feel like a waste of time, like mm -hmm. just sitting at the bar with friends, right? it's so much more beneficial than me working for 14 hours or 12 hours, not going yeah. to sleep on time. You yeah. know? Like, so that's something that I had to learn just as an entrepreneur because that caused me depression at first. Oh, no yeah. doubt. Like yeah. not having that balance. Right. And then you get into these, uh, these cycles where you're just working, 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 you know, trying to fight mm -hmm. that imposter syndrome or whatever to, you know, pay the next bill or, yep. you know, whatever you have to do. And then you forget that, you know, how important it is to have a weekend or yep. go on vacation or spend time with friends. Because when you come back from that, when you get your mind out of the rut of, you know, I just got to finish the spreadsheet and do these mm -hmm. marketing things and, you know, do this next, you know, podcast mm -hmm. or write yep. the book or do the next chapter. You know, when you come back to it after being away from it, you're doing it a lot better. You're more efficient. You're, you're, you know, you're like fresh. You're fresh. Yeah. yeah. You get your mind out of that space. And that's what like painting does a lot for me. I'm sure, you know, uh, writing's probably similar for you or if you're yeah. doing the podcast, you know, you get your mindset into a different spot and then you can kind of come back with a new energy. Mm -hmm. So, how did you obviously? So, you, so you grew up in a, is that the Midwest? Is that considered the Midwest? It's the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Midwest? Okay. yeah, it's straight up middle of the country. Middle of the country. Okay. Yeah, so I, so, I grew up in Chicago. Midwest. Right. So yeah, yeah. Midwest, which really is more central, if mm -hmm. we're being like geographically sound. Like right. Chicago should be Central America. Right. Do we even have a Central America? I don't think we do. Like we don't label. Yeah, I think Central America would be like, like Mexico and stuff, right? Or that. Well, yeah, but. Yeah. Because we're Northern America. Yeah, I think. But I mean, in Northern America. I think we, we gave that away. <laughs> yeah, like, we don't, have, I don't think our regions are labeled right. Yeah. Because. It's like East, West, yeah. Midwest. Okay, let me South. ask you this. What's the West Coast? I was just asking my friend yeah. who lives in California. Yeah. I'm like, dude, tell me what you think the West Coast is. Yeah. What's your opinion of I mean, I would imagine West Coast? All the states right there on the West, right? Okay. You know. So like Cali. Straight up and down the, the, the ocean. Cali, Washington, and Oregon? Yeah. I believe so. So that's the West Coast. I would think so. Okay, so what uh, what is? I am not a geographer. Me either. Person, me either. No. I'm just trying to find yeah. out, you know, people's opinions. My so. GPA was in the garbage. <laughs> school, <laughs> Mine so too. I, I was a late bloomer. So what is you know Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado? What do we consider that? Is that not the West Coast? Oh, that's a good question. Because when I asked them, they said it was the mountain region. 
yeah. But I've never heard anyone refer to us as yeah. a mountain region. I think they were making that up. Seriously. Yeah. Like when I talk <laughs> to my friends in New York, they're like, oh, yeah. oh yeah, you live on the West Coast. I'm like, yeah, I live on the West Coast. I live in Arizona, but. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't so know. So maybe it goes two states deep? That's what I would think. Yeah. But I'm probably wrong. I don't know. I get a geologist yeah. on this podcast. So how did you get from the Midwest to Arizona? Did, did your parents move here? Parents moved. Yeah, I moved parents when I was like nine. So wherever they were going, we were going. Um, I had an uncle who lived down here, started a business. I was okay. starting to pick up steam and, and uh, you know, make a lot of progress. He needed a programmer. My dad was a programmer. He offered him enough money that my mom could potentially quit her job. Mm-hmm. Didn't end up working out that way. But, you know, we moved for this big opportunity, uh, you know, working in the family business, yeah. more or less. And uh, just kind of along for the ride. Mm-hmm. That was uh, 1998. 98. So you got yeah. out here in 98. Um, wow. What's that? 20, 22 years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, have you ever moved away? Uh, no. I've just been here. Yeah. So you've been here? Yeah. I've Every summer, I tell myself I'm going to move. <laughs> we all do that. Every summer. I haven't wow. done it yet. So what do you think if you... Here's here's what I think. I love Arizona. Yeah. I came here in 2012. I love it. I've seen a lot of the change. You've seen way more changes. Oh, there. sure. Yeah, there was nothing when I was when yeah. I first moved out here, and it's grown. Crazy. Yeah, it's grown so much. It's yeah. a bit... To me, like, a lot of people are asleep on what Arizona has to offer. Yeah. Uh, it's, to me, it's one of the best states. The summer, I just can't. <laughs> like my mental health goes to hell in the summer and like I think Way the I- ideal situation is like California Midwest yeah. maybe some other country in the summer because yeah. there's a lot of people who do that what do you think about that you think you you see yourself doing that or where no, I know I, I would love to I would love to live in California I love California mm-hmm. every time I've spent there um, was amazing I mean, maybe that was just because I was vacationing there, though, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe it's different if you live there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of got to think about the traffic. Oh, man. You know, I'm a little nervous about, like, I hate traffic. Yeah. And cool. we have no traffic in Arizona. No. Like, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, but the opportunities out there are insane. Mm-hmm. But then so are, you know, property values. And things. Right. Um, and a lot of my skill sets. So before I had this cleaning business, I was a marketer. Um, specifically, I did search engine optimization. Mm. So I was going into these big websites. Like I had, I was working for a, a large company that did a lot of consulting on companies like JC Penney, Microsoft, PetSmart was one of our customers that I worked on. Um, so I would just kind of go in and pick apart their websites, tell them what worked and didn't work. Um, so I always feel like my skill sets would probably do me better over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like the idea of building things and there's a lot of startups out right. there. By the time companies usually come to Arizona, they're established they're and they're established just trying to like find right. the cheaper customer right. service right. or marketing guy. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah. And then I started this company, um, and I've kind of just been <laughs> stuck here on that. Uh-huh. So what parts of California, uh, would you go to? I would love to go to San Francisco, San Fran. okay. but I got a kind of a love hate relationship with it. Tell me more. It's got you know, it's got those. Uh, I, I read this book. Have you ever read the book uh, "The Season of the Witch"? No. It's an amazing nope. historical account of San Francisco, Season and so much has happened there, um, in that city, mm-hmm. especially for being in America, where a lot of our cities are relatively young compared to like, you know, like I went, I was in Barcelona. Um, this last year and there were, you know, we were looking at things that were like 2000 years old right, right. and then you come here and it's like, Oh, we got this, you know, 
New York City right. is like 400 years old ish. Um, Which is new if yeah. you're comparing. Yeah, compared it's to the rest new. of the world. Yeah, everything's new here. Right. Um, but San Francisco's just got tons of history for how you know mm -hmm. uh, long it's been around. Um, but anyway, it's a fantastic book. Uh, you should read it. Um, yeah. Just great historical account of the city of San Francisco. And I've always really been attracted to that, not only for like kind of the technology that comes mm -hmm. out of there, the, like the different thinking, mm -hmm. you know, you look at companies like Tesla and yeah. SpaceX and, yeah. you know, companies like Facebook and things like that are kind of, they did a lot of cool stuff, kind of like hating on them right now because of where they're at politically mm -hmm. and everything and all that going on. But um, yeah, I, I just like the idea, I mm -hmm. think, of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. but it's that, crazy expensive <laughs> super so, expensive and that putting that off i've always thought about that if i was in a position of you know mark zuckerberg mm -hmm. or jack dorsey where you yeah. create these platforms and it's so tough because i'm a person that i'm trained to see the, the dualistic views of everything right before i judge something i try to look at both sides to mm -hmm. gather like the, the truth you yeah. know and so just as a creator of this entity facebook instagram twitter it's really tough to coincide with the laws that you know govern your country and then you're, you're giving people a platform to speak yeah. to share what they want to share and then these platforms that come under so much controversy um politics sex workers um racial things there's just so much conflict that can come from it and it's just I just wonder how, say, a Jack Dorsey or like a Mark Zuckerberg, like, what is their day to day like? Like, yeah. what type of conflicts are they dealing with? And some of these conflicts, how do you even resolve them? Yeah. You know, like, for example, I love Twitter. I was on Twitter the other day, and someone was like, some really popular pol politic person was mm -hmm. tweeting at Jack Dorsey, and she was saying that he has a responsibility to mute the president of the United States because of something he said that she didn't agree with. Yeah. So me, I'm always trying to see both sides of everything. Uh, I don't I don't care so much about, well, this is what I think, this is what I believe, I'm sure. right. I really don't. I really like to see what people yeah. think. I'm really interested in that. And so I'm sitting here and I'm looking at it on the, I was on the computer and I'm just like, okay, I agree with you. If someone is in a big position and they're saying something that's like, crazy or dangerous or however we want to label it yeah like that that needs to be addressed or yeah. monitored but then at the same time it's like how do you police that yeah well, how gotta, do you manage that i gotta I, check on the president you know how, what i mean like <laughs> right how do you do that and it just makes me wonder like how those people deal with stress so how do you deal with the stress you have in your business currently in your oh, life sure. currently how do you yeah. deal with all your stress just back to that same stuff uh like whenever i'm under stress it's usually the same type of things that are you know causing the depression so it's back to painting and working out and just hanging out with friends you know that's your safe haven you, you do that stuff that's it good. yeah i just okay. gotta get out of the house for a little bit you gotta get out <laughs> tell me about your business yeah. i love it i use it i'm All a right. customer i'm gonna continue to be a customer as long as i live in Arizona. Hey, and i appreciate that man um you know unless you double the prices <laughs> then i'm gonna come ask <laughs> work for you so i get employee yeah. discount so <laughs> Tell yeah. me about your business. How did you, you know? Um, yeah, so I've been an entrepreneur for forever. Um, as long as I can, you know, could figure out something to sell, I was trying to sell it. Um, so started the video production company, 
didn't work out because the recession happened. So I was when I was 19, had a couple big customers, recession happened, that all went to the garbage. Um, then I just kind of found the next thing that I could do. Um, I uh, started building websites for people because I kind of knew how to do that. I was mm -hmm. terrible at it, mm -hmm. but so was everybody else. Right. You know, it was, <laughs> right. You know, 2006, 2007. Um, so went down that road, um, started building websites, learned about marketing because we would have customers that would uh you'd build a website for them and then they'd say well hey can you do seo for me or how do you can you get me up on google so you try to figure that out um and i just you know not knowing to say no i would right. just be like oh yeah sure we can we can do that and i would just get on the internet and read all the forums and download all the things buy all the books and just learn whatever it is so I you would just learn. figure it out you just, just teach yourself yeah i just had to figure it out and i totally sold it before i even knew that i could do it um, probably not the right move, but it ended up working out for me. Um, so I learned that stuff. Then I had another opportunity, um, to join another company, um, helping them with some SEO and marketing just cause I kind of knew somebody. Um, so my company, I made, when I was doing the web design mm -hmm. and SEO, I made tons of mistakes. I didn't charge enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got on the seesaw that a lot of entrepreneurs get on, which is, you want to do all the work yourself because you're mm -hmm. good at it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a great web developer and I know how to do SEO. So I'm going to sell you, you know, a $300 SEO package is what I was selling them for back then. And that was definitely not enough. And then I'm going to do all the work and then, you know, you're going to be happy with the results. Right. Uh, but what ends up happening is you get a bunch of customers. So like at, at peak, I had like 10 customers, very small business. And I was feeling really good about it. But because I had 10 customers, I was doing 10 customers worth of work. So my time was zero. Right. And then I would lose a couple customers because I wasn't going out and getting new ones. Like there's always attrition. Like right. legitimately, like my biggest customer, like got hit by a car <laughs> and was wow. just gone. Oh yeah, that was super sad. He was a great person too. Like pass away? Yeah. Yeah. He oh, was man. like, Sorry. yeah, not Sorry in a good way either. Um, which is super sad and like, you know, try to help his family after that too. Cause we we're yeah. pretty close with them. Right. And he right. was like the one guy that like gave me a chance, you right. know, and, and like let me in and he would always write me a bigger check than I asked for just mm -hmm. to be nice. Um, Cause I think he realized I wasn't charging enough too. Um, so, you know, there's just always some type of attrition, whether right. it's people pass away, they move or they just find somebody that can do it for cheaper or somebody that can do it better. Right. Um, so you lose those. So your time zero, customers are full mm -hmm. and then customers drop and then you, your time goes down so now you gotta start doing sales and then as soon as you do the sales then you're back up to no time right. can't get more customers right. attrition happens and it just goes back and forth forever um so eventually you know i got stuck in that rut and i kind of realized like oh i need to raise my prices and at that point it's you're too far in to really fix it mm, um, because if i raise my price then all my customers are gonna leave me because i didn't need to raise my prices by like 10% or 15%. Mm. I need to raise them. I need to like double them mm. to actually make money to hire people, mm. you know. So, uh, ended up working for this other company uh, that led me to getting another job. And I kind of put my entrepreneur stuff on the back burner. It was just easier to do the work for somebody else and be the person doing the work. And in the meantime, you know, I had my, uh, my father was that computer programmer. We mm -hmm. had a piece of software we needed when I was working at this one, uh, marketing company. 
Um, I was able to negotiate and coordinate them working with him to build the software. Mm -hmm. And then I was going to kind of help him grow that business. So we developed this software. It was really cool. We made um, some decent amount of money off the couple companies that mm -hmm. I had worked for and brought it to. Um, but because I wasn't fully involved in that, you know, my dad actually fell into the same rut that I was in when he mm, was developing the software it. and, yeah. you know, doing the work and the customer yeah. would have a complaint. They need to make an adjustment and we need to troubleshoot this thing. And so he can never mm -hmm. get it to the point where we could just, you know, somebody could go online, get a credit card, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And we just sell it that way. Um, so that kind of, you know, fizzled out. Um, and then eventually, like I had gone through all these different things trying to start, um, these sexy businesses like my first one was video production then i was designing websites and i was doing marketing you know relatively sexy professions mm -hmm. the way like how oh, i've got to make money goes right, you know right, right. um and then i read this guy's blog post because you know this whole time that i'm doing this like i never quite got to the point where i could 100 percent do the business and not have a day job um i read this guy's blog post where he was just like don't try to reinvent the wheel. Like a lot of the times the perspective that we have is, you know, Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk where, you know, they invented PayPal and sold it for a hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, you know, there are 3 million small businesses in America and you probably haven't heard of any of them. Um, because they're, they're small businesses like mine where, you know, we just clean toilets, you know, and the whole insight <laughs> in his blog post was, yeah. you know, the, the one thing that I, the big thing that I messed up, which was don't work in your business, work on your business. Mm -hmm. So don't be, you know, I shouldn't be going out and cleaning toilets myself. I need to find other people to do that so I can focus on bringing in more customers and doing all the other little things that mm -hmm. business owners have to do and don't try to reinvent the wheel. So when I was building this software, um, what we ran into was we were selling local SEO software and we considered local SEO this one thing and a lot of the other SEO people considered it this other thing. So they all needed the software, but they weren't aligned on definitions for what local SEO meant. So now we got to re-educate the whole industry. We had mm -hmm. we raising money. We were bootstrapping. I've always just bootstrapped stuff. Which just means you don't have like a venture check. It's just whatever's in your pocket is what you're using to fund mm -hmm. the business. Um, so for people listening, <clears throat> yeah. let me just break this down for them. SEO is search engine optimization, mm. which is essentially is how uh, on the back end of how you code a site, how you program a site to pop up when you're looking on uh, Bing or Google or when you're looking for a specific thing. Yeah. And then when you're referring to bootstrapping, that's talking about if you're trying to create a company, you can get investors, um, but as a bootstrap, you're using the money you have. Yeah. You don't have an investor. Okay. Yeah. I, I like to just try to break no, things no, I appreciate simple that. for people because yeah. with the podcast, it's almost like you never know who's listening and right. you never know if they're like not from this country, they're not up on our lingual. So yeah. some things I try to just break it down. Yeah, so, no, 100%. Yeah, yeah I, I apologize. I get, oh, no, I you're get passionate. Good. I start No, I want you to do yeah. that. I'm here to, I'm here to do that. You, you yeah, just yeah. be you, man. You yeah. free your energy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm free, free in something. Um... Yeah, so uh, the insights from this blog post mm -hmm. is don't reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. Do something stupid that's already out there. Because I think it's another thing that a lot of people who want to get into entrepreneurship but maybe don't know how or haven't done it yet, um, they want to figure out something that nobody else is doing. Because mm -hmm. the idea is if nobody else is doing it, I can be the one selling you that thing that you need. 
Right. But the problem in that is you really have to get lucky yeah. and find yeah. something that nobody else has done before. There's also this thing called second mover advantage where... Second mover advantage. Yeah, where somebody else has gone before you, you can look at what they did wrong and you don't have to repeat their mistakes. So even when you think about Google and Facebook and companies like this, like before Facebook, there's MySpace and Friendster. Right. Like they weren't the first ones to come up with that. Same right. thing with Google. When Google got launched, there was 15 other search engines. Like I don't know if you remember like AltaVista and Dogpile and Yahoo. I don't. I remember <laughs> yeah. Yahoo. Um, I remember signing up for AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, I, I remember Keyword. Yeah, I remember yeah. all that. It's so funny listening to you talk about um, second second mover advantage. Yeah, I've never heard that that mm -hmm. phrase before, but instantly when you talked about it, I, I grew up playing sports. I talked. To, I thought about how, let's just say basketball. You look at them in the fifties and sixties; they were yeah. good. Yeah. The seventies, they were better. Yeah. The eighties, they were a lot better. You yeah. got the Showtime Lakers. You mm -hmm. take these guys now; they would destroy any of them. You yeah. know, any team. Almost, you could take the worst team now; they probably would be. One yeah. of the championship teams from forty years ago. Oh, for sure. And what it is is the second mover advantage. You're yeah. you're learning from their victories and their losses. Yeah, every generation gets a little bit smarter right. watching the people before them. Right. We and then those people be... are coaching you on, like, right. You know, because that's right. sort of what happens yeah. too. The ones that are really good here grow up and coach these guys on what they did, and then these guys can you know improve on. That. That's genius. You mentioned the blog post. Do you know the author of the blog post? Uh, yeah, his name is uh, Rohan Giles. Um, I think I'm. I'm probably butchering his last name. Uh, but yeah, I could send it to you. Rohan Giles? Yeah. Giles, okay. so. um, but yeah, he's got a huge following. Okay. Um, and he was one of the inspirations for, you know, starting the cleaning company because mm -hmm. his whole thing was, you know, just do something dead simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. uh, cleaning houses, mm -hmm. landscaping, pool cleaning, you know, mobile window tinting. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what the business is. Customers can search for it and find you. Mm -hmm. um, there are avenues that you can go down. Like, people go on Yelp to look for house cleaners or Google Maps or, you know, I know what a restaurant is. I'm going to go in, order a sandwich. Someone's going to make right. it for me. I'm going to eat it and I'm going to pay you. Right. You know, right. you're not reinventing the wheel, not doing anything crazy. Right. And, you know, you're never going to sell these companies for $10 million. But you can get your opportunity to get some wins in, become an entrepreneur, yeah. um, and and grow it without having to like invent Facebook. But how did you, you get know? to the point where you said, "Okay, I'm gonna make Tidy Casa. Yeah. This is what it's gonna be. This is what it's called." Like, was it just a, like a light bulb, like an aha moment? Was it kind of an yeah, evolution? Well, I, yeah, like, I had uh, I had for a long time. Um, you know, tried to start those businesses. Um, I had a house cleaner of my own. And, um, you know, house cleaning was one of the suggestions in this guy's blog post, actually. So he talked about landscaping and house cleaning and plumbing and, you know, all those types of things. And I thought house cleaning seemed, you know, one of the easier ones. It's really easy to get uh, started because essentially all I have to do is go find a contractor who's got all the equipment, who's really good at cleaning, and help them find more work and then I just am the one who is going to you know pay for the insurance and do the marketing and run the customer's credit card to make sure they get paid you know do all that coordinating handle the customer service side of stuff, the business side of stuff and they're going to be the ones that go out and do the uh so the what you thing. saw you made yourself you made yourself the middleman yeah and you connected 
you, you solved the problem for two people. Right. The problem of the contractor who does not have enough contracts to mm -hmm. take care of themselves. Yeah. And then the customer on the other end who needs yeah. a contractor to come right. through. Yeah, yeah. So you just came in the middle and said, okay, I'm going to connect you guys. Yeah. And then you're going to, you took care of all the paperwork that, you know, don't worry about the payment. I got, I'm going to yeah. do that for you. Don't. Well, and that and I was solving a lot of problems for him too, because uh, it's, relatively difficult to be able to run a customer's credit card um, you have to be able to pass a background check and you know criminal background checks and credit background checks and you have to set it up a certain way so the bank doesn't reject you um, and sometimes you have to pay for those um, you know so just being able to do that and figure that out especially if you're not tech savvy mm -hmm. like you're it's hard to figure out how to do that mm -hmm. you know if you're Cleaning houses. So just the fact that like we take a customer's credit card, if they cancel, we can charge a cancellation fee, which goes 100% to the house cleaners. Like we don't take any portion of that. Um, just that little act is something that solves a huge problem for them. Because most house cleaners are cleaning, if they're really, really efficient, they can do 15 houses a week, but most of them do about 10. Um, and that's, you know, a good week where we have solid work. If a customer cancels the day before, they miss out on that income 100% if they're doing it on their own, but since we have customers who we've been able to communicate like this is what our expectation is, this right. is what we do, you know, we want you to communicate if you have to cancel something, right. um, we can charge that cancellation fee and give it to the cleaner because if without that cancellation fee, they're taking a 10% decrease on their pay right. and they it wasn't their fault. Right. You know, so you could imagine just being out there in the world trying to do this stuff and customers cancel all the time you're just taking a pay cut for no reason especially when it, with really good cleaners they usually have a handful of people that are calling them they're having to you yeah. know say right. no i can't i got this guy and then that right. guy cancels you know right so just being able to do that um being able to have insurance so you know a lot of people uh will hire house like i've, I've heard this horror story a ton like this even happened to my mom where she had a landscaper that was cleaning her backyard and a rock kicked up out of the uh, lawnmower and hit this big glass window that she had mm -hmm. um, and shattered it there's like one of those big like double pane glass yep, door yep. like yep. you know so it's gonna be a thousand dollars to repair it and the landscaper just goes through <laughs> just like i'm not gonna return any more calls i'm disappearing because it was an independent guy yeah, like yeah you know and that's what happens a lot of times with house cleaners yeah. too is like maybe if they break your you know teacup they can you know get you a new one but uh but if you knock a big screen down then it's like oh man did you do that we've had to do that yeah, wow. we totally had a house cleaner clean somebody's big screen. It was wall mounted. It just fell and broke. Wow. Um, it was like seven or eight hundred bucks to get them a new one, and we just had to do it. You know, I have a parallel of what you just said. Like uh, before we came on the podcast, uh, we were talking about some of our books. How my books parallel with some sure. stuff you read. The story that you just told is something that I prevented. My very first job, yeah. my grandfather, he owned a landscaping company. Mm -hmm. So every summer growing up in Chicago, when I was out of school, I would go with my grandfather. Yeah. And it would be me, my grandfather, my dad, and then my grandfather's brother. So it was a team of four. We'd yeah. get up every day about 5.15, 5.30. That'll teach you some grit. Whew. We'd be in the field from about 6 to 11. Because then the sun was high noon. Oh, yeah. So we'd go in the house, wait till about 2.00. Get some lunch. Chicago humidity. Yeah, you got it. Uh, you, you can't be out in around noon. You yeah. can't. Not in the dead of the uh, summer. We go out about two, two to five, and then be done. And I, I mean, I was a young kid, so I was toast. Right. Like by five o'clock, I was toast. But my job, my very first job, and I got paid every time. 
I think they pay me like five dollars a day or something like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're a kid. You yeah, have no responsibility, so you're yeah, rich anyway. Go to McDonald's. Yeah. So my job was when we pull up because my my grandfather had an F one fifty. Sure. We pull up in the Ford F one fifty. I was sitting in the back. You know, yeah. the wind blowing in my yeah. hair. I hop out, and what I have to do is I have to scan the yard. So I have to go through the yard, and I have to pick up all the rocks. Oh, wow. Because of when you push yeah. that lawnmower over, you don't want – first, you don't want to hurt yourself. Right. And then second, you don't want to damage another person or property. Because it probably happened to them at some point. So they're it, like, we got to not yeah. do that anymore. So that was my role. Yep. As soon as I get there, I would go I would go um, front yard, backyard, yeah. side of the yard. I would do all of that. Mm-hmm. That was my very first job. Then my grandfather – he would come and he would do quality control. He's like yeah. a manager. Sure. So he would check and he would say, how's the yard? Yeah. And I would say, perfect. And yeah. he would say, okay, let me go check. So then, you know, he put his glasses on and he just walk around and he'd look. The whole time I'm trembling. I'm just saying, yeah. okay, he's going he's to say it was awkward. Yeah. And then he'll come back and he would just say, good job. Like that. That's awesome. And I'm like, yeah. So then yeah. The, the next thing I had to do was after that, I had to pull the weeds. Mm-hmm. So I would go grab uh, gloves, and you know, glove yeah. up, and I had it with goggles, I had a little mask. Like, I felt like a Power Ranger, like I was just getting <laughs> all this gear on, and then I would have to pull the weeds out, yeah. you know, because you didn't want to cut the weeds, you wanted to pull them out so they would stop growing. Mm-hmm. So I would just go pull out all the weeds. I mean, it took, I mean, this job was hard. It was hard. Like, I should have been getting like $20 an hour for the stuff oh, they okay, had yeah. you, you do that now, it'd be 25 Yeah, 30, like yeah. minimal. Yeah. Um, so then, well, good for five dollars a day. Yeah, five dollars a day. Like, so then after that, I would just go back to the car and I would just sit and um, sit in the air conditioning until they yeah. got done. So it was, man, my grandfather. He was so efficient, and I think this is part of the reason why I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, because I got to be with him every single yeah. summer. So he would get in. My dad, his son, would do the front lawn. His brother would do the back lawn. My yeah. grandfather didn't cut the grass. Yeah, he did the uh, the edging. Mm-hmm. So uh, edging is a, a tool that goes like like it spins in a yeah, circle and you put a string on it and what it does is kind of like when you get a haircut they yeah. line you up make sure you're fresh so my grandfather would do the edging and he would do the bushes we would get in literally like just an average size house my concept of time wasn't really there because i was a kid but if i had to quantify it i would say like 15 to 25 minutes oh, wow. like in and, and out in and out we were able to do two or three houses in an hour oh, wow. we were knocking them out and it was part of the reason why i'm on my notebook is I saw my grandfather run his whole business, obviously, yeah. different day. Sure. But he ran his whole business from a notebook. And so he trained, just from watching the observation, he trained me to take notes, to write down important things. And he had he had all of his clients, all the dates he had to meet with them. He would check off when he talked to them. Um, kind of like your business, you send, yeah. a, you send a text or you'll call and say, sure. hey, how was your service? Yeah. He had a follow-up in the notebook. Yep. And it's, it's just, I've always been impressed with the order of entrepreneurship. You know, I think people on the outside, especially with social media, they they just glorify the lifestyle. Like, oh yeah, I can go get on this yacht right now if yep. I want to. I can go get me a fancy. But yeah. it's like, dude, it doesn't it doesn't start that way no. for any of us. No. And it's like if you actually saw if you guys actually saw the behind mm-hmm. of what we have to do, a lot of people wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. They wouldn't want to do it at all. <clears throat> yeah, that that uh I read this book um called Grit. I think the author's name is Angela Duckworth. Um, I could be messing up her first name. I'm pretty sure that's her last name. Okay. But uh, Grit, title of the book. And it basically, she just goes through all these examples and just outlines like the number one thing in between all entrepreneurs, like 
Some of them are really smart. Some of them are really stupid. <laughs> some yeah. of them, you know, uh, can even have some other qualities where you're just like, how did you get here? Right. But the one thing that they all have in common, without a doubt, is that they're gritty. Meaning when something happens and something goes wrong, they've got that ability to get back up and say, okay, I'm going to keep going. Right. Like I remember my first year and a half in business, I was, you know, bootstrapping, like we said, doing right. it with all my own money. Um, so I was working a job, full-time job, 40 hours a week and trying to run the business as well. I did it for a year and a half where, you know, I was doing all the like admin type stuff on the nights and weekends and like even answering the phone like mm -hmm. in the middle of the work day. Like I'd be at my like cubicle and I'd get a yeah. call and I'd like, go outside yeah. and like try to close a customer or deal with the issue or whatever. I mean, it got to a point where I was probably spending like three hours just like right. out in the patio <laughs> at this like right. place. Luckily nobody noticed. Right. One of my bosses did come up to me and say, like, hey, you're, you're getting pretty close to your deadlines here. Do you need to, are you okay? I'm yeah. like, oh, no, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, little did they know I was working, like, 90 hours a week. But, like, that out there, picking up the weeds and combing the yard and, like, doing all that, like, that's what teaches you grit. Mm -hmm. And then you get that other side of, like, seeing him being successful and employing the whole family. The like, whole family. oh, I want to be that guy, you yeah. know? You get that exposure to it. Like, okay, if I do this hard work now, eventually I'll be there. And I had something very similar with my uncle. Um, yeah, you mentioned your uncle. Yeah, so yeah. he was the one who was like, you know, the entrepreneur in the family. So I remember being like, you know, uh, nine or ten years old, just like he had to send out a bunch of letters. So they would just, you know, pay us like, like you said, like five bucks to sit yeah. there and like put letters and things, address them, put a stamp mm -hmm. on it. And we had to do like a thousand of them, you know, just sitting there doing the letters. We would, um, he was doing these classes. Mm -hmm. uh, he'd rent out like a... Uh, you know, a hotel ballroom or whatever, mm -hmm. get a speaker, sell the thing. And it was like a couple days worth of events. I would, you know, wake up at like, you know, be, had to be there at like 5 a.m. to like go and load up the truck at the office, take it to the place, unload the truck, and then sit around all day, like building classrooms and tearing them down. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was a lot of work and we do it for like a week or two. Um, but getting to see like, his lifestyle versus my parents' lifestyle and then learning how to like work like that, like working with a team of people to like load this truck up and mm -hmm. unload this truck and, you know, uh, run around and take test scores and do all this stuff. Um, I think having that uh, exposure to it is really crucial to wanting to become an entrepreneur. I think you kind of have to have somebody in your life that you could see mm -hmm. like, oh, they did this, yeah. they're the entrepreneur, yeah. like that's what I want to do. Yeah. I totally agree. So my mom, she was a administrative assistant. My dad, he was a chef in culinary, and then eventually worked up to be management. No, oh, wow. Okay. And so he would, you know, ma ma manage the chefs, lead the teams. He would come up with. Uh, he worked at this place where there was like a lot of uh, elderly people, mm -hmm. and so he would create their meal plans, what they would eat to try to. Some of them had diabetes, but yeah. just to you know stay alive. And I noticed that he was the happiest when he was leading a team of people, putting people in the right places. Like, he got so much out of that. Yeah. Where Versus when he was just a chef, it was just like a keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And he, he wasn't really happy. I was yeah. much younger then. But then I really noticed his happiness because his team was winning. And it, it felt like there was more, I guess, just more he got out of yeah. the work. That's personally how I feel, too. When I was working in corporate America, I mean, I was killing. I was doing sales. So I was killing it, um, top 1% in my company. I was with a Fortune 500 company. And um, it was good, but it was so empty. It was such an empty feeling. Yeah. I felt like I was only working for money. Like, that's really how I felt. Yeah. 
And that's one of the reasons I relate to you so much because when I wrote my first book, it's called Accelerated, I would go to the bathroom six times a day. Now, no one has to go to the bathroom that many yeah. times, but that's how much I was going. And I would take my phone in there and I was writing my book and my notes on my phone. So I would literally go in there. I would just, you know, put the toilet seat down and I would yeah. just sit on the toilet yeah. and I'm just working on my book like this. And I got to look up because, you know, if you look at the bottom of the sure. doorway, you yeah, can yeah. see people. I would always look up if I saw like a shadow to see if yeah. someone was coming. And whenever I see somebody's feet, I would just cough, like, <clears throat> like you know, like, let you know, like, hey, I'm in here. Don't don't come in here, you know. And literally, I would take a couple breaks a day to write my book. Right. And because that's I, what you're passionate about. That's, that's what you're what drawn I was passionate to. about. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I think fuels me right now is like, I, I do I do make good money from my my adventures, but if it goes away, I'm still gonna do a lot of the stuff that I do. Yeah. Um, because I just love, I love writing a book. Yeah. I love the process of writing a book and what goes into it. You know, um, even if I had, if I had to go back into sales, selling something I didn't like, of course I would do it because you, you grit, you got to do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. But it's the passion that really pushes me, man. It's, it's the knowing that I'm getting some, something out of it, knowing that I'm helping people, that I'm helping people's lives. Like that's what really, really motivates me. Like to this day, still. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I think some people are just they're, they're drawn to a certain thing. So, like, no matter what you do in life, you're always going to want to be writing books. Like, that's yeah, what you're passionate. No that's what. what you're drawn to. Um, you know, and for me, that's that's entrepreneurship. I like the yeah. idea of building something. So it doesn't always matter what I'm building, but if I wasn't building something, mm -hmm. um, it just kind of feels empty. You're just working for somebody else for a yeah. paycheck, and if you're paying yeah. your bills, and it's okay, yeah. but it's it's very different than kind of following that passion. Dude, the thing that's so awesome about what you do is we casually talked about the problems you saw for yeah. other people, but it's actually a big deal. And I don't know if you know that, but I want to praise you for that because you're getting people. I've met the, a lot of the people who come. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think all, all of the, the workers who yeah. work for you are able to grow their own business right. the way that you've helped them yeah because you understand so much nerdy stuff that the common person <laughs> doesn't get right and that nerdy stuff helps pay the bills yeah. you know and i don't know if you've been able to reflect on that but you definitely need to pat yourself on the back like you are you are helping people feed their families yeah yeah i, I you know i try not to you know dwell on that type of stuff too much but i i have had people come up like i always worry about it mm -hmm. and uh i think one of the reasons so for people that are like listening they might not know mm -hmm. um tidy costs my business is the highest rated cleaning company in the valley mm -hmm. like we're one of the few people who has five stars on yelp and google and facebook and my secret sauce to that has always been to just take care of people. Yeah. Like I've had a ton of shitty bosses yeah. and I didn't want to be that. Yeah. So I figure whatever I can do to pay people as much as I can, to give them as many benefits as I can, to treat people with empathy and um, you know, understanding when there are issues. Yeah. Like so many people, when they come to work for us, have this like shell shock from working for other people right. in this industry. Right. Um, you know, because I, I think a lot of people don't have those same sentiments in this industry where, you know, it's it's easy to get frustrated when somebody says, hey, I can't find, you know, a sitter for my kid today. Right. Um, I can't come into work. It's right. easy to get frustrated and say, it's not my problem. Like, you messed up. Right. Like, what's wrong with you? Instead of what we do and what I train all my staff and everybody to do is just say, you know, hey, I'm really sorry about that. Like, we'll see if we can get you covered. We'll, we'll work this out for you, you know. Yeah. Um, and just having that empathy and understanding, yeah. like, okay, this is a single mother. She's doing her best. Yeah. Like, we need to help her out. Um, 
Same thing with like, you know, when we were talking about replacing that TV. This lady broke this TV. I knew it was going to be like $1,000 to get it figured yeah. out, but I can't be mad at her for it because she called and told me she wasn't hiding it. Right. We just have to solve it. She was doing a really good thing, which was trying to clean this TV and be very thorough. Yep. It just happened to not be mounted very well and felt right. not really her fault. That's that's um, also, if you think about it, so you're not going to because you're not going to praise yourself. I'm going to do that <laughs> for you. If you think uh, about it the way that your leadership because all companies, the way they are, their culture is is based on the leadership. Mm -hmm. For her to know that, hey, I need to call and let them know what's happening. That means that she, she didn't have any fear. She knew it wasn't going to be, uh, you know, this crazy backlash, no threats. It was it was going to be healthy communication coming yeah. back to her. And I'm, I know for a fact that that lady is very, very cautious when she goes um, to her places now, like, to make sure that she doesn't do that. Oh, sure. But yeah. you brought her, like you say, empathy. Like, how yeah. many... How many leaders don't understand empathy? Right. Like that's the most important thing is to be empathetic to a, another person's needs yeah. or wants. To understand that, hey, you know what? I am expecting a lot out of you. I do want you to be the best performer. Yeah. But I also understand that you can't always do that. No and, one can. And the more I learn in life and the more I see and do, the more, you know, even like books that I've been reading, like mm -hmm. they all come back to this idea of empathy. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've, I've started when I hire people who do like emails and answer the phones for mm -hmm. us and all that stuff, I look for people specifically that naturally have a lot of empathy mm -hmm. um, because that's, that's everything. Like if you're doing marketing or sales or running a team or just doing mm -hmm. customer service, being able to empathize with that person on the other side of the phone or that, you know, sitting in front of you goes so much further than anything else I've found in yeah. life. It's yeah. like the secret sauce to, you know, having healthy relationships, yeah. you know, just put yourself in the other person's shoes. Like, wow. what are they going through? Why are they saying this? Yeah. Why are they acting like this? Like, why is she afraid to tell me this is happening? Right. You know, what's what's her side of the story? Right. So how many people uh, do you have on your staff, on your team, working with you yeah. now? Like, kind of talk to me about, like, sure. the structure of your company. Yeah, so we've got um, about 30 people cleaning now. Um, and uh, one manager, a uh, lady that does my schedule and answers the phones, customer service up, and then one other lady who's specifically customer service. Mm -hmm. So about three people that are kind of doing the admin side, and then about 30 people cleaning houses. Okay. So. And what's, like, a day-to-day -day for you? Like how do you, how, what do you manage it now? Yeah. It's as far as your business goes. I mean, I, at this point, so, you know, when I first started the first year and a half, I was taking calls, doing customer service, mm -hmm. you know, any issue that would come up, mm -hmm. uh, hiring new people, firing people, dealing with angry customers, you know, I did it all. Um, at this point, I really only get called when something super big. That's really the only time I get involved with customer level stuff. Like we broke a TV, what do you want to do? Um, and then when it comes to the final say for hiring people, so I've got a manager who kind of goes through and vets, you know, the applicants, mm -hmm. and I'm the one that, like, goes out and meets them and, mm -hmm. you know, does the final say on whether or not we can um, hire them. But other than that, it's just, like, the harder problem solving. We need to fire somebody, which, you know, it happens. Sometimes we just make a bad hire and they're yeah. not a good fit culturally and yeah. it's just not going to work out. So we try to give them a chance and empathize, but there's a certain point where, like, the best thing we can do is let them go so they can find right. a place where they fit well. Right. Um, so I do a lot of that, um, you know, so like just today, for example, we, we bought a small company in Tucson. Wow. We had a guy, uh, so I'm, I'm on a lot of forums and in different like Facebook groups and stuff for mm -hmm. people that do a lot of cleaning and they know me because I share a lot of information, mm -hmm. you know, so 
I did a big blog post on like how to work with Yelp and make it work for your business. And you know, little things like that, like how to buy workers' compensation insurance, which Mm -hmm. is a big pain in the butt if you've ever had to do it. Um, So people kind of learn about me from doing that. And every now and then they get along the journey of trying to start their own business and it doesn't go well, Mm -hmm. um, or it's more work than they bargained for. Like they just don't have that grit or they have another project that maybe is a little bit sexier for them. They just want to go that direction. Um, so they'll call me and say, Hey, I'm, I'm this far in, I don't really want to do it anymore. Do you want to buy this company? <laughs> I've, wow. I've had it happen yeah. a handful of times. We're talking super, super small companies that are making like, you know, 20 K a year, you know, they're not huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we bought this one in Tucson, got a really good deal. The owner just wanted to get out of it. He kind of set it up. He wanted to get some cash for it, but had a reasonable expectation of what we could afford and just wanted to find a good home for his staff. Um, so we were kind of able to provide that after he sort of talked to us and, you know, found out that we have a lot of the same values in terms of taking care of people and empathizing and, mm-hmm. you know, making exceptions for them. Like one of the ladies that was working for him has a, a lung condition and she just has to call out sometimes cause she has issues. Wow. Like, you right. know, we're really understanding of that type of stuff and try to work with people. Um, so we made the deal and, you know, I spent a lot of today just, you know, going through and making kind of the final steps of uh, moving those people over from their software to our software and making sure everything lined up yeah. and, you know, it's boring stuff like that. Yeah. It and sounds it like, like, like you dude, know, it sounds like your life uh, has really groomed you for this leadership role that, that you've created. And it sounds like all the jobs and the stuff that you mentioned beforehand, it mm-hmm. all ties into what you're doing somehow, some way. Do you feel like that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's kind of true for anybody's journey, right? Like, you know, you take a little bit, a little couple lessons from everything that you do and, and uh, hopefully can put it in to something that, you know, that works well. But yeah, I mean, like previous life, like building websites and doing the uh, marketing and things like that, that was one of the biggest things in the business was the ability to market and get out there. Like anybody can clean houses, but it's hard to find customers. Um, and then it's hard to vet, you know, good cleaning teams and keep them and right. keep them happy. Right. And, you know, uh, so yeah, I think that's probably pretty accurate. With, with content, I've read the science of content and what yeah. people always do is they remember the beginning of your book, they remember mm-hmm. the end, and they remember a very little bit in the middle. Right. So at the beginning, you want to have what's called uh, an attention giving mm-hmm. uh, sentence. That can also be an attention getting scene in a movie or right. a paragraph, you know. So we did that at the beginning, and then we talked in the middle, and that's when people fell asleep, and they, <laughs> you know, they skipped through. Yeah. So now the people who are actually at the end, we have to leave them with something to remember. Yeah. So I'm gonna set you up. I'm gonna throw you a nice pitch. You're gonna knock it out of the park. All right. Oh man. Heavy hitter. Pressure. Heavy hitter. All right. Regardless of if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a student, if you're working. What's just one piece of advice? It could be something you already said. What's just one piece of advice that you would say, do this or, or have this in you or keep this on you and it'll help you on your journey? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no pressure here. I mean, I'm, I'm probably just going to have to go back to that idea of being empathetic. Um, so I, like I said, I've read tons of books, um, whether they're books on like sales or negotiating or marketing it always comes back to being empathetic for other humans. And as I'm, you know, as I hire people, so I told you I have this method that I figured out to hire for people that are specifically empathetic. What I found is I'll go through about three to 400 applications before I find one person who does that naturally. Wow. 
So if you can figure that out, like how to act with empathy, um, it is night and day how it will affect your life. And that's probably one of the things that I, I kind of naturally tend to lean towards um, is being an empathetic person. And it's gotten me way further in life than I ever realized, like looking back. Um, so uh, there was a moment when my uncle's business failed during the, the crash. Mm -hmm. And he was in a really bad place, like he was having to fire employees and things just weren't going good. Um, and I kind of realized that he was there. Mm -hmm. And I just reached out to him and said, thanks. Like, you know, you hired my dad, you were supporting my family, like... You had a really good health insurance plan, which was a big deal for me um, because I'm a type 1 diabetic. I have been for like my whole life. And like, you know, so all the stuff that he'd done, he had, he had helped me out. He's not in a position right now where he's, you know, he's helping, but I know he's feeling a lot of pressure mm -hmm. and he's trying to do the right thing and he's having trouble doing it. Um, so just reaching out to him and saying, hey man, like for all this stuff that you did and you're like still trying to like employ my father, even though I know you're not making any money and keep us with the health insurance. So like, thanks for doing that. Um, and that was one of the times that he like, oh, hey, I've got this other project. You want to work with me on it? Yeah. <laughs> Just because I reached out and said thank you. So and that's not why you. I was doing it. But, you know, and I've had that happen in uh, other jobs, too, yeah. where, you know, you just had a manager that, like, you knew they were going through a hard time or had something going on. You were there to empathize with them and kind of get on their side, whether that was, you know, they needed somebody to tell them a joke at that moment or, you know, rib them a little bit just to make them feel human yeah, again. Yeah. But then when they go to their next job, they're going to remember, like, oh, right. like, you know, that guy gave me what I needed in that moment, whether that was I needed somebody to listen to me or yeah. need to bounce my idea or if you need someone to tell me to joke. Um, so whether you're doing marketing or sales or just trying to survive in life, like mm -hmm. having relationship problems, a lot of the times, you know, figuring out what motivates other people and finding a way to empathize with them can be a great way to level up whatever that is that you're doing. I think that's probably the one piece of universal advice I've kind of learned wow, throughout my powerful. life so far. <laughs> it's powerful. It's powerful. Thank you for your time today. Thank yeah, you man. for coming over, uh, coming to my place, coming to kick it, drop some knowledge. Um, I'm really appreciate I really appreciate you coming. Yeah. And uh, I, just, I just want to continue the relationship with you, man. You know, like I say, like a lot of the times I think certain people, um, they bring guests on because guests are popular. Mm -hmm. They have like these big, you know, Twitter or Instagram accounts. I don't care about any of that. Me, I'm genuinely after relationships and information. Yeah. Right. I'm after storytelling. I'm after learning. So that's that's what when I just kind of observed you from the far, I was like, okay, I gotta meet this guy. <laughs> and it's so crazy that we're neighbors. Yeah. Like, how does that even work? Like, we're literally neighbors. Yeah. So yeah, for people listening on the podcast, I walked over here. It was yeah. Like a, a minute and a half walk. Yeah. <laughs> Not even. So I mean, it's crazy. I think in life, like sometimes you like you are just supposed to meet certain people. Like, yeah. So, you know, if there's any way I can help you at all, you know, let me know. Well, hey, I appreciate you, you know, getting yeah. me on here and spreading the word. And yeah. Yeah. Hey. Oh, yeah. Tell them where, um, you know, because I know I know there's some Arizona listeners on there. Tell them oh, where, sure. where they can check out your business and get into with your yeah, business. Yeah. And you personally. Yeah. yeah. If you guys want to, uh, you know, get a house clean, you got a party coming up or moving out or just want to, you know, get some time back in your life. TidyCasa.com, T-I-D-Y-C-A-S-A dot C-O-M. Um, you know, great place to uh, to go and get a great house cleaner. Top rated in the uh, in the valley. Uh, if you want to read any of my blogs or see my nerdy artwork, I got a website for that too. Uh, Noll.co, K-N-O-L-L dot C-O.
Can you spell that one more time? Knoll.co. K-N-O-L-L dot C-O. Okay. And that's for your artwork. Yeah. And then Tidy Casa. Tidy Casa. For anyone here in Arizona, tidycasa.com. Yes, sir. Yeah, and that's the cleaning business here. Uh, and if you got, I mean, guys, I, I use the business. I, I, I just used them the whole year of uh, 2019. I'm going to use them this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue using them. So I love the company. Uh, the service is great. They come. They're professional. They're in and out. Uh, they always follow up. So if you guys are in Arizona and you're looking to save some time, like Ryan said, I'm telling you, tidycasa.com. They'll take care of you guys. Yeah, get that time back in your life. For real. Dig it. Look, okay, we're going to leave you here. Add more empathy to your life. Ryan was really, I mean, he's really on point with that. Add more empathy to your life. Just some of the notes I took. The book he talked about in the beginning was called Season of the Witch. And then he talked about another book called, uh, what was that? Grit Grit, by uh, Angela Duckworth. You guys can check those out. The article he talked about was by Rohan Giles. That was the article that really pushed him to that next level. That gave him the inspiration to you know, create what he's created now. Uh, something that's going to always stick with me that he talked about was the second mover advantage. So definitely do some research there. All right, guys, I hope you have a good one and I hope you continue to free your energy. Thanks for having me on, brother. Appreciate you. Damn, dude, I'm so glad I met you, man. For real, bro. <laughs> I'm glad great. you reached out. I, I like yeah. that.